3: I just so excited for every moment. Um, when when was in Dominican in the Winston Bowl, um, I just be there. It's that good opportunity over there in Dominican because um, I see a lot of pictures, I see a lot of people over there because it's, it's for trusting me more. Because that lead right there is like, look like here. So it's a good lead. Um, that lead helped me we every, every moment, my abats um, for me. Um, I'm just so excited because that team uh, believe in me and Tony believe in me. And um, every time when, I, when they give me the opportunity, um, I just want to do my job. We're
2: back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw
1: on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
3: Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. Until 11 o'clock, we've got another hour to go here broadcasting from the Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine. That was the voice of your mean Mercedes Bruce. And it uh, he sounds excited after another big night for the White Sox. I don't know which was, uh, which he was more thrilled about. Getting uh, four more hits to raise his average to 429 or having a hamburger named after him at Fabulous Freddy's on the <laughs> south side. It was a big week for the Yerminator.
0: Uh, You know, the the beauty of uh, guys like Mercedes, and I I tip my hat to uh, the players that come from foreign countries uh, that uh, insist on using the language here and and insist on communicating with us in that way uh, when they, you know, sometimes could just take the translation. And I I, I understand the athletes who just take the translation because they don't want to sound like they they don't understand the question. They don't want to get it wrong. That, that's that's very understandable. But uh, this guy, given the opportunity to, to use uh, Spanish, said, no, I'm going to speak English and communicate uh, the best I can. And I, I think it's great. It's just another part of the charm of, uh, of Mercedes as far as uh, dealing with him. And just seeing the joy from this guy every day, having fun on the field. And, uh, you know, we, we get to see that personality through the TV lens and the and the TV reporters and announcers so much better now than we ever have. It, it's really insightful to get these up close and personal moments with these guys and feel like you know them a little bit.
3: So I think he's the biggest surprise on this White Sox team that improved to uh, 10 and nine the first time in eight tries, they've been able to get past that 500 mark, Bruce. And I think you made a really good point earlier without the injury to Aloy Jimenez, which I think was devastating for him and difficult for the White Sox. I don't know if we see the emergence of Yermin Mercedes who has made the most of that opportunity. But I want to ask you about what kind of hitter he has become or what we're seeing him uh, evolve into. It's really interesting to me and it's hard to figure out because we haven't seen much of him before. His plate discipline is really good, I think because you see the way that he goes deep into counts and I think you're seeing less of a free swinger. Maybe, uh, maybe when you think of a disciplined hitter, you don't think of a guy who is a free swinger. And yet I think I, the statistics show you look at the metrics. He leads the American league in hits out of, of balls out of the zone. So he can be a good bad ball hitter as well. What kind of hitter do we have with your main Mercedes? Is this just going to take more time to figure it out? Or do you have an, an inkling about what we're going to see and what we have seen in terms of informing us of what to expect?
0: Well, he's, he's a scary hitter, if you want a description. That's who he is right now. Because uh, other teams with their scouting reports, and they do tremendously thorough video uh, scouting, as well as physical scouting again in 2021, uh, they have not found a, an area of weakness for them to attack. Certainly, uh, over a period of time, there will be the hot and cold zones that they will attack. It's up to the pitchers to be able to make those pitchers pitches. If they can't do that, um, you know, the 200 hitter becomes a 400 hitter. And and in the case of Mercedes, he's not missing anything. Uh, He's just barreling balls. He's making hard contact. You see the spray chart. It's all, all the way between left center and right center where he's hitting the ball hard. And then on the occasion, when he gets a nice little pitch inside, like a sinker inside, you see him yank it out of the ballpark because he's got tremendous power as well. Um, Just, you know, right now he's a a headache for the other team because they have not figured out a zone that they continually can go to to get him out or to have him in in a better way, explaining it, get himself out.
3: So he's been a surprise. I think that uh, obviously you didn't see that one coming. Luis Robert has started to get hot. You hoped that would eventually uh, develop. Adam Eaton, Bruce, I think has been more clutch and, and maybe a little bit better than people anticipated early on. Jose Abreu is following a familiar path and pattern. He starts slow, but he seems to be showing signs of heating up. It is early in the season. Didn't have April to deal with last year, so we didn't have to go through that early season slump that we have seen him overcome before. In terms of this White Sox offensive batting order in terms of the way that they are, are, are you know you start with the top and you go through one through nine any issues with that and any other surprises that you think are, are worth noting because this was a week that you know you look at the socks and things start, seem to be starting to come together
0: a little bit uh, it's tim anderson and jose abreu's offense okay it all starts with anderson uh, you you talk about a guy that's hard to pitch to here's the guy that never walks but always makes hard contact. And from day one, you know, scouts told me, David, about the fact that even in the minor leagues, he had a natural center, right center swing where uh, he covered, he covered the entire strike zone and could just hit. He was going to flat out hit was what the scouts said to me, you know, five years ago, six years ago when he was in the minor leagues. And uh, that is the case. He, He is just hard to pitch to. And, as he continues to get a little bit older and stronger, he he's gonna be a 25 home run guy, and he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a 50 double guy. I I think he's that good because he makes so much contact. Uh, it, it's his offense when he's when he's leading off and and creating uh, you know energy right away. It's his and it's Abreu who's just started to come around and and swing the bat over the last ten days. So. Uh, when those guys are doing their thing, the other jo- the other guys just kind of surprise everybody else because there's a tremendous offensive talent in there. In Robert Mancada, you know the the rest of them, Eaton, as you said, a sneaky, uh, you know, energizer bunny type player for the White Sox and offense and defense. And then you have Grindal, who's really never gotten hot yet since he's been a White Sox player, starting back last year during the. Uh, 60 game season
3: Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. 67 67 what about this White Sox week stood out to you in terms of either a pleasant surprise or something that uh, you think is a bit of a disappointment still because you mentioned Yasmani Grandal. Bruce, you wonder how much the knee issue that kind of slowed his spring training development still is bothering him. You look at the White Sox and still Adam Engel, that timetable has been pushed back now to early May. It went from mid-April to early May, and now you start to wonder about these hamstring issues. Billy Hamilton was reinstated from the injured list. They have dealt with several injuries, and so you don't want to over overlook that but every team does I think have injuries Uh, I don't know if they have them to the degree that the Sox have dealt with them but I do think that it's part of you know dealing with the early season one thing I did wonder about if I were to call in and ask a question Bruce where are you with Andrew Vaughn he's hitting 222 you see some signs of life at the plate you wonder when Adam Engel does come back Where's his spot in this roster? Where's his spot in this lineup? You don't need him at DH anymore because you have the biggest surprise in the American league. What do you expect for the future of an Andrew Vaughn?
0: Well, I expect him eventually to be the Chicago White Sox first baseman. I think he'll be there in the next couple of years. And as much as he doesn't like it, I think that uh, Jose Abreu, uh, he has uh, a couple more years. Uh, let's see one more year left on his contract after this. Um, uh, he's going to be a DH, and he's a good first baseman. He's made himself into a good first baseman, but that's—I think—that's Vaughn's position. I—I think we've seen him start to uh, barrel up some baseballs, hit the ball hard lately. You know, we have to remind ourselves that he—he he really didn't have any minor league uh, training, hardly at all. True. You know, a little bit in uh, in 19 last year. I don't know what that counts for, you know, at the alter, alternate site. But um, this guy is going to be a really good hitter. And uh, whether it's uh, left field where he's already become adequate, there'll be balls that make him look bad, just like they do with a lot of outfielders. Uh, but uh, he uh, he has certainly uh, shown the ability to, to make the average play already. So uh, I, I think, I think the, that he's going to be a really good hitter. It, does he have to go back to the minor leagues, which may be uh, your, your question, uh, because of roster situations? I think they're going to do everything they can to make, keep him a part of it. But you're right, you know, Mercedes, if he continues to hit, uh, that complicates uh, playing time down the road for some of these guys.
3: Couple interesting texts to the Rosen Hyundai text line, Bruce, about Yermin Mercedes and, and what kind of hitter he is or and will become. 312 says he could be a Vlad Guerrero type of hitter that can put the bat on the ball no matter where it's thrown. 708 says, Yermin is a controlled free swinger, changes his approach after he gets two strikes, goes with the pitch as needed. And I think that aspect, Bruce, that is the one thing that I think is most impressive about a guy who is is sort of a controlled free swinger. That's a really good description, 708 Texter, because you see that approach and then with two strikes, it's almost as if he does change his approach because somewhere along the line, a hitting coach reinforced into his brain the value of changing your approach when you get two strikes because he's a very good two-strike hitter.
0: He is, and, uh, you know, again, you'll see him hit it off of the handle – uh, you'll see him really up close uh, to the plate. Uh, the, the guy, everything that you, you read in the guy is uh, he's telling the pitcher, I, I might not hit it hard, but I'm going to hit this ball somewhere. And uh, that can be intimidating to a pitcher when you know that the guy is just making, uh, looking to make hard contact anywhere you might throw the ball. So, again, it's not that easy. Uh, it's It's been a tremendous story. Uh, for people pred- to predict that he will go down from a 420 batting average, that's pretty easy to predict. <laughs> uh, but if this guy hits 280 and uh, continues to drive in big runs and get important hits, he's going to be in Tony LaRusse's lineup.
3: He was part of the offense that chased Dane Dunning, didn't get out of the third inning for the Rangers, the former White Sox pitcher who was traded in the Lance Lynn deal in the offseason, Bruce. Dylan Cease didn't do much better than that. He couldn't get to the fifth. And then the bullpen struggled again. You had a tough night, uh, Foster or Aaron Bummer. Uh, You you look at the White Sox bullpen and it hasn't been what uh, we would like it to be or what they certainly had hoped it would be. certainly wasn't what they had promised. That may evolve Curious what you thought about Liam Hendricks coming into the game again in the eighth inning. He went in inning in two-thirds. He looked pretty sharp until he gave up that ninth-inning home run. He's fun to watch. He's fun to listen to. He's into it. He takes that sort of that football mentality to the mound. Bruce, Liam Hendricks was hitting 98 last night. Uh, where are you in using him in the eighth inning in an April game again because it comes in the same week where he was used in both games of a doubleheader?
0: You know, this is uh, something that we're we're all getting used to because we don't know Liam Hendricks. Tony LaRussa doesn't know Liam Hendricks. The White Sox pitching uh, people are getting to know Liam Hendricks. We know that the guy loves, he thrives on having the ball in his hand, wanting to pitch multiple innings. But you have uh, an investment, a $54 million investment for the next three years. So... uh, Tony La job is to win that game that day, and I applaud that because nobody wants to win it more than Tony does. I also think that uh, at his age, uh, in April, that uh, two inning saves is just not what you want. Okay, Uh, uh, you know, again, it's easy for me to second guess, uh, especially when he's been successful doing it. Um, it, it, You know, people will say, "Well, what are you talking about?" I'm, I'm just saying, you know. other people are going to have to stand up in that role. That, that's supposed to be a position for uh, Bummer or Hoyer. Uh, unfortunately for the White Sox, when you get starts of only three and a third innings and, uh, or one inning from your ace the other day, your bullpen plan gets blown up because you, you have to make up all those innings. You know They've had a tremendous amount of bullpen innings to cover over the last week since that uh, four-game series against Boston last weekend. So So, I I think you you have to give them a little bit of a slide, but um, two innings for me for your closer at this point is is a little much. I I hear you. I hear you. He wants to win. Tony wants to win that game. But,
3: but Bruce, going to him in the eighth, is that a reflection more on the lack of confidence that now exists in that bullpen or a breakdown with the starting pitchers because you can't go deep you know, it, Dylan Cease didn't give you what what you needed last night. Now, does that – It's a breakdown.
0: Does, yeah. That's, that's a breakdown, the breakdown in starting pitch. It's a okay. – you know, covering the one inning, you know, they had to cover seven innings for Giolito the other day. Uh, the next day they had to use five pitchers. Um, this game, three and a third innings, your starter is out. Um, that you, – you, no bullpen in the history of baseball can sustain – that type of repetitive in and out. I mean, the, all all of them, all the bullpen guys have pitched almost in half the games for the White Sox. Uh, that's not something you can sustain through a whole year. So you're going to have to get more innings from your starters. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's certain games, like the one that Cease was throwing yesterday, where you're going to have to let him go 110 pitches, okay? Uh, not 80 pitches, even though he's not being successful, because that's the job. The job is not only to uh, try to win that game that day, but to eat up those innings and uh, not wear out your bullpen to the point where, y- you know, your your whole bullpen is coming in in the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning. Uh, you're, there's no way to, to keep your setup man and your, your closer in the position they're at when you have to attack uh, with your bullpen that early.
3: Well, you're exactly right, Bruce, but, and the White Sox aren't messing around. I think everybody understands and and it kind of applauds that mentality. You are in a a win now mode. So how patient can they afford to be with Dylan Cease in this not getting to the five fifth inning nonsense? Because at some point in time, your patience is exhausted, and you have to. You're dealing with a, a starting rotation that is now missing a workhorse in Lance Lynn. Hopefully that is only one start, but you had the emergence of Carlos Rodon or the reemergence of him, which has been a pleasant surprise. But I don't know that you can go every fifth day wondering if you can get a guy who, with all that talent, if he can harness it in the right direction to stay in the game long enough not to tax your bullpen. That's not going to be something that Tony La Russa wants to do going into June or beyond. You can handle
0: one or possibly two of those starts from your rotational week. Your bullpen can't, can't handle more than that. And going from uh, Giolito's one inning to uh, Rodan, who gutted out and did a really nice job after the no-hitter of getting through five innings, uh, that that's just you know your 12 innings for your for your bullpen. Even though you had two days off, that's too much. You know that's you just can't sustain it. So uh, Tony has a fresh bullpen. Uh, that's something else you have to look at when you ask a question or or I answer a question like that. He has a fresh bullpen, two days off. He also has a day off on uh, Monday, so he can have a little bit of the luxury of uh, pushing the envelope. A little bit here over these three games, two more left this weekend. But certainly, uh, if, if they run into a rotation situation once again where the guy is only going three or four innings, uh, your your bullpen is going to get messed up.
3: Bruce, it has come to the time in the program where we have to deliver a message. We have to send a clear, strong message. So it is time for some chin music when we come back here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
2: It's time
1: for some chin music. Hey Aunt. how about a warning? Sure.
2: Watch out you don't get killed.
1: Because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Do you think Javi could have gotten to second on that pop-up, and does it even matter from a manager's perspective? You know, he should be running either way.
2: Uh, I've talked to Javi about that.
0: Do Do you think he could have gotten to second?
2: Uh... We discussed it. Um, I I was watching a different um, – I was watching the outfield at the moment. So, um, I've talked to Javi about it. Thanks.
3: <laughs> Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hoffman, Bruce Alvarez. That was David Ross the other night after Javi Baez did not leg out a or run out of the box after a bloop hit into right field that he thought was going to be caught. It wasn't and then he got caught napping rounding first he was uh he was in the midst of a mental lapse bruce and yes this is chin music our weekly segment where you want to deliver a strong message maybe come in high and tight if necessary and i admit it bruce my first reaction was you got to bench javi baez you got to take him out of the game if nothing else you bench him on friday you can't put him back in the game and then you take a step back and take a deep breath and you think okay there are different rules for different players. That's just a fact of sports life. And Javi Baez, to me, is like the kid who constantly breaks curfew. And then the parents decide, okay, this time when you're 30 minutes late, we're going to ground you. But he's got straight A's. He's got a part-time job. He's a star athlete, and he's kind of strangers. You know, I th- you, you sometimes have – a lot more rope with somebody or a lot more latitude with somebody who produces. And Javi Bay is flaws and all. Javi being Javi is on a unbelievable pace in terms of home runs this year. He's striking out way too much. That's a bad trend, too. But I just don't know if any sort of discipline at this point in time, Bruce, would have had an effect. So I want to come in high and tight. I'm probably going low and away, saying I get why David Ross did nothing essentially except for deliver a strong message privately, which as I think
0: he needed to do. Would your commentary be different if he went over four with four strikeouts again yesterday?
3: It might've, it might be, no, you know, no. Okay. I'll, I'll say no. I would, I would be inclined to think that, yeah, the answer is yes. But I think that based on Javi's track record is what influences my opinion more than the recency okay. bias That's of his fair. struggles. You know, I think All so.
0: Right. You you don't I think your point taken a step further and it's a good one, you don't punish the team because you want to discipline the player. And in this case, taking a potential home run, three, four RBIs, and a good day against a soft throwing left-handed pitcher, in the case of Anderson yesterday, that would have been a reaction of a lot of all-time managers but probably a very smart non-reaction from David Ross in that situation where, uh, okay, you know, the result, we're, we're talking about the results being great. You know, the big home run, uh, another RBI, hitting the ball hard, you know, a couple times as well. Um, that, uh, that is the end result, but going into it, the logic on his part, and I'm, I'm pretty much assuming this is the logic on his part that Javi got a fine uh, you know, from Ross, but uh, it would be punitive to to punish the team by taking that big bat and potential run-scoring ability out of the lineup.
3: I, I think that's a good point, Bruce. I want to be practical, and I want to be consistent. On Friday morning on the Mullian Haw show, I, I felt like if you needed Javi – to get a day off, if you felt like that was also part of the equation because he wasn't catching up the fastballs. he is striking out at a record rate that's alarming, then okay, you had an opportunity here to do two things is, is one, make a show of accountability and two, give him a break that he might need mentally as much as anything. Now they decided not to do that because of the opportunities that they saw in the in the day starting pitcher. Javi took advantage of those opportunities and made the decision look like a smart one. But I do think also, that you do factor in the the thing that well you know i don't know what what good would it, you know this isn't nico horner this isn't a young player that you whose habits you are going to you know shape or form really i don't know that you're going to have much impact at making an example out of javi bias i just as right. much as i may want to do that and the visceral reaction is okay that guy is lazy and he's 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 a prima donna he's acting like a diva bench him. I don't know if that's the smartest response or it would have any sort of impact at all on a veteran team.
0: Ken Griffey Jr. Told me that there was probably 40 pop-ups that he didn't run out every year. And I said, why you being the ultimate competitor, the ultimate superstar, why, why would you do that? And he said, because I play 162 games and I need to save my energy for the other big parts of the game when I'm making a great catch or I'm trying to score from first on a double. And that's just the reality of a guy who plays 162 games every single year. You might not like hearing it. You might not relate to it, but that is it. And it was an eye-opener for me. Believe me, it was an eye-opener. And it's something that I've always tried to remember when you look at guys. In this case, we know it was frustration for Javi having gone through these struggles that was more the reason than anything else
3: and we have to be realistic as well you know the production at some point does factor into the thinking and Javi As much as he's striking out, he is on a pace to strike out around 290 times, Bruce, but he's also on a pace to hit 51 home runs and drive in 145 runs and steal 43 bases. I'll take it here. I'll
0: take it. Yeah,
3: I mean, feast or famine, but you're you're not going to go away hungry. Javi Baez is going to deliver. It's going to be a buffet of of extra base hits, and I think that's what people can live with, and I think these are the kind of things that you do learn to live with when you let – Javi, be Javi. You don't like it, but you accept it. And you certainly, in this case, I understand it. And I think you do too.
0: I think it's a swing. Uh, you know, we're going to be back with Andrew Berlin, who is the uh, owner of the South Bend Cubs and a minority owner of the Chicago Cubs in our next segment. But David, uh, I think it's just Javi because of uh, the way that he swings. And, and you know, he's, he's a guest hitter. Uh, And and he looks so bad when he swings and misses uh, so many times. And then he connects and it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's Javi, it's all world. He'll go out and make that uh, play at shortstop that no one else could make to start a double play yesterday. Uh, This is a, a great baseball athlete who doesn't live up to some of our old world expectations sometimes, but is still, you know, a very important part of the Chicago Cub team.
3: Absolutely. And, Bruce, we do talk a lot about the miners. We do talk a lot about the alternate site in South Bend. Well, the man who is the owner of the South Bend Cubs is next here on Inside the Clubhouse. Andrew Berlin joins us after we come back. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome back. Inside the Clubhouse, David Hogg Bruce Levine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Time now to go out to the Alpamani Nissan hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park or APNissan.com. That is where we find Andrew Berlin, the chairman of the uh, Berlin Packaging, the owner of the South Bend Cubs, a minority investor of the Chicago Cubs. And Andrew, welcome uh, to Inside the Clubhouse. How are you this morning?
1: Good morning. Doing really well. I'm off to the Cubs game later today, so it's got to be a great day.
3: Well, since you're making the trip over from South Bend, I assume you are driving Adbert Alzalai as well, bringing him over from the alternate side in South Bend. He has been promoted. He will start today. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, you know, we hear a lot about the alternate side in South Bend, Andrew. We hear about, you know, Nico Horner has made the, the – uh, he got promoted this week. How is it going over there, and, and, and how would you describe what purpose it serves in the season for the Chicago Cubs?
1: Well, it, it's working really well. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I, I live north of Chicago, so I can't give them a ride right now. But be that as <laughs> it may, the alternate site works out well in that you know it's only an hour and a half from downtown Chicago, so it's drivable, it's close. Um, the facility also has, you know for at least a minor league level, probably one of the best skill development and training facilities that was modeled after uh, the Mesa Performance Center for the Cubs at strength training. So we have terrific skill development. We're close to Chicago. Um, our field was installed by Roger Bossert, uh, you know, the, the sod father from the White Sox. We got a great playing surface. So in terms of mimicking major league and, and getting the guys ready, um, they're really enjoying it. Plus, we built four apartment buildings around the stadium. So uh, even their stay in in, uh, in South Bend is very, very convenient and close to the ballpark. So it's it's a, it turned out to be a really terrific uh, location for the Chicago Cubs.
0: And uh, Andrew, thank you for uh, helping uh, regenerate uh, the South Bend downtown area, and South Bend in particular, which is uh, near and dear to my heart because uh, I had uh, uh, cousins and aunts and uncles in South Bend growing up there once, spent a lot of my summer days there growing up, and it was a, a thriving, wonderful city, and now with the help of business people like yourself, it's, it's coming back. So from that, I, I thank you uh, fr- on that perspective. But uh, as, as far as the baseball question goes, uh, how will the facility work when your season starts, your Class A season starts, and uh, these players are still going to be able, needing to uh, work out and uh, have a place to play on days where you have a game?
1: Yeah. So the way the way it's set up, the physical plant of the of the stadium and the performance center, uh, they're two different locations but adjacent to one another. So our our season starts uh, May fourth, Star Wars Day, and uh, the single A is now an advanced day. So I imagine the Cubs will probably weave uh, the the players into the games with the single A guys like they would with any kind of rehab start or or any kind of you know uh, you know performance um training that they need but they'll be able to weave into the games and also work out at our performance center uh, to get ready for major league Uh, so i don't think that's going to be a problem
3: joined by andrew berlin here on inside the clubhouse the owner of the south bend cubs and andrew you know how would you characterize the past year for minor league baseball it's been difficult for everybody in the midst of a pandemic we know and are familiar with how mlb has had to adjust uh, at that level, but uh, in terms of minor league baseball, I, I think it's been uh, jarring and sort of uh, something that it, it for franchises like South Bend uh, very difficult. And here you are getting getting ready to to begin another season uh, after what I, c- I can imagine has been a pretty pretty difficult year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I Thank. I mean, it, it was a horrific year. There's no there's no uh, no way to make it sound good. It was. Obviously, the pandemic was tough for everybody, uh, baseball included. Um, in, in, at least at minor league, uh, you don't have the broadcasting revenue that the major league clubs have. So, our revenue had to come from the kind of uh, activities that we could plan on the field, whether it be movie night, uh, you know, various parties that we were able to cater on the field, you know, socially distance and, and being responsible about that. But it was it was rough. The pandemic was rough. There's no getting around that. But the second thing that made it rough was the. Uh, change in the structure between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball uh, did a takeover of the National Association of Minor League Baseball, and we merged with Major League Baseball during that time. And of the 160 minor league teams there were in the United States, uh, now there are 120. So there are 40 owners and 40 cities that lost their their downtown um, uh, amusement and and uh, community gathering spot. Uh, and thankfully, in South Bend, we, we not only kept our, our franchise uh, affiliated with the Cubs, but we also moved up in the ranks to uh, advance IA. But that combination of merging with minor league, base, minor league baseball in 40 cities, losing their, their revenue and their teams uh, combined with a pandemic, it was it was horrific, um, but not less so for South Bend. Thank goodness.
0: Andrew, before we let you go, uh, I, I have to ask you: we have this, we have the score house here, uh, uh, where you know all the guys get together in spring training and they're all together. But you have the ultimate guys' man cave house in <laughs> you know, around your home, and I am extremely envious, jealous, and curious all at the same time about your 900 square foot cigar home please elaborate
1: <laughs> you know all you have to ask is if you can come over you don't have to go through all of an invitation. <laughs> well i gotta
0: get a cohibo if i'm there okay so
1: yes you okay we got a cohibo go with your name on it. it's okay,
0: okay. but, but listen, this, is,
1: this is one thing before i lose you if i can just say one more thing Sure. The you know when David reached out to me and asked me if I'd be on your show this morning, I, I was very honored to do so. But I also have to just put this one plug in for Major League Baseball for 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 what baseball has to do now to compete with all the su- other summer activities, or or even when it's competing with other sports. Really, what baseball has to do is focusing on that customer experience when they're at the ballpark and that's one thing that baseball has been working on a lot on you know you know the 2019 All-Star game had an average viewership age of about 54 years old uh, that's a problem for baseball and if we need if we can get that down to the average you know viewership age to 20 to 30 years old we're doing our job right and so that that will be the focus of baseball minor league and major league uh, going forth in the summer not just in the rankings or wins and losses but you know but regardless of performance on the field we need to make sure that our fans are having a magnificent time at our ballpark. That's what we do at South Bend, and I think that's what the Cubs are doing now, too.
3: And, Andrew, in that way, in that way, we talk all the time about shortening the game and making the pace of play easier to stomach. We see all these long games. Can Major League Baseball learn something from minor league uh, franchises like South Bend in that making it more about the fan experience, as you described, or is that too much to ask without sort of compromising the competitive Nature of MLB is there is there somewhere in between where where you th- this can meet?
1: Absolutely, I, I don't I don't even think you need to change the rules of baseball to make the experience at the ballpark extraordinary. Um, you know, minor league baseball has been doing this in varying degrees for years, but at the end of the day, what we say at my, the Meyer league level is that you know only fifteen percent of the fans at minor league really care about what the score is by the end of the game. Eighty-five percent of them came for the experience in the ballpark whether that's entertainment between the innings, whether it's the information that we show on our scoreboards or the food, you know, in our case at South Bend is extraordinary. And we want people to come for a meal and there might be a ball game going on at the same time. So ballparks can focus on the quality of the food, the cleanliness of the bathrooms, the quality of the entertainment, in addition to the baseball, without making it kitschy or corny or stupid, um, there's a real way to attract folks. I mean, listen, the NBA and the NFL have figured out how to do a lot of this. And, and turning a lot of their players in their system into, you know, entertainment figures. And I don't see a problem with that. Um, and so, yeah, Major League Baseball can take a few, few lessons from us. And I think actually the merge between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball may accelerate that, which makes me pretty excited for the future.
3: Andrew, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck this year in South Bend. And, and I'm sure at Four Winds Field, it's going to be a great atmosphere.
0: It, so best of luck to you. Uh, it is, David. Uh, my experience there has been tremendous. And uh, just uh, the uh, the apartments in the background and uh, the facility itself and Chris, who helps you run the place, just fantastic. Uh, a plug and uh, congratulations to you, Andrew, on that ballpark.
1: Thank you, guys. Enjoy the show in the morning, too. So good luck to you guys, and thank you.
3: Thanks. Andrew Berlin, the owner of the South Bend Cubs. Bruce, minority owner of the Chicago Cubs. All-around great guy, Chicago businessman. And he has made an impact, you're right, in that downtown community. Did not realize, Bruce, you had some South Bend ties. that's kind of fun. Oh,
0: yeah. It's a fabulous place. And if our producer can stop drinking water for a second, get ready to uh, fire up an exchange between me and – our good friend, Anthony Rizzo, yesterday, uh, as his Zoom began, uh, Anthony uh, saw me standing there looking at him on the Zoom. And here was his uh, for initial reaction.
3: Bruce, you going on a date tonight in that suit and tie?
0: It's my bar mitzvah. <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> well, a play. exchange with Anthony Rizzo yesterday. Uh, uh, we have a so Bruce, great time. Got to pay it off.
3: You got to pay it off. It, what, what was the suit for? All dressed up and nowhere to go.
0: It's called a marquee. I do my marquee features three times I've a week uh, in the that. pregame yeah. show. I'm happy right. to do it and enjoy it. Great people over there as well. Uh, so um, from that perspective, uh, but it did point out and it hurt to have that type of exchange <laughs> with Anthony and know that. Uh, as reporters, we're not able to do that on a regular basis anymore. We're not able to go down there and get the inside stuff and and uh, be able to communicate with these guys one on one and and get some of these uh, better stories. We we work hard with the zooms, but everybody gets the same stuff, and it's uh, it's difficult to be unique now.
3: I hear you. It's very homogenized. It's very much. Uh, a source of frustration for people who are used to covering clubhouses the way that you are. You miss the press boxes. You miss the crowd. They, they're coming back. Things are resuming normalcy. But boy, when we get back to where you can't actually have that interaction, you're right. I think everyone will be better off for the coverage. And hey. Bruce, we're better off for having you taking the time this morning away from your marquee job to help us on inside the clubhouse here.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, our good friend uh, Matt Spiegel has a special day tomorrow. Uh, yes. He is doing the pre and the post and the fifth inning uh, for uh, the Chicago Cubs. And uh, that is going to be special as Chris Ranji takes over and does hit and run tomorrow between 9 and 12.45. Good
3: luck to Speeds. Good luck to Zach Zaman, who is filling in for Pat Hughes, who will step, aside, step over for a day and do television on Marquis. So a lot of new roles. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great weekend of the ballpark. Bruce, this has been a great show.
0: People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write about the Cubs and Sox every day on our website at 670thescore.com. David, have a great week. Adam Stadzinski, job well done as always. Thank you. Thank
3: you, Adam. Thank you, Alec Mills. Thank you, Andrew Berlin, And thank you, Bruce. This has been a fun show. Hall on Hall on Monday morning at 5. This has been Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.